a lot of Chinese people take social debt even to the next level and interpret it literally. This can be extremely sophisticated. A good friend of mine told me that her mom is keeping a book at home in which she fussily is putting down each amount ever received or spent from others. And this is not a single case example. This happens a lot in China. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Niemann hao guys and welcome to the next episode of the Dragonfolio China podcast. My name is Eric and today I want to talk about Guanxi. Guanxi is a Chinese term and literally translated means relation, relationship or simply to do with. I don't have any Guanxi with this so I have nothing to do with this matter. And it's a very common word in daily Chinese language but in a lot of different contexts. And the way I talk about it today is more about a overall social aspect. What role does Guanxi relationship really play in China? Because it has a much deeper meaning and it plays a very crucial role in the Chinese culture, whether it's in business or in personal life. So this episode is really important for you. If you want to improve your understanding of China, and if you want to have a rough idea of Guanxi, because it's so essential to Chinese society, you better stay tuned. Guanxi relationships are especially important in China. Might sound confusing and you would say, yeah, but it's the same in my country. In my country, relationships are also very important. And we also have Guanxi. Well, if you hold this belief, give me some minutes to convince you that there might be a few important differences between Chinese Guanxi and what we typically define as relationships in Western societies. Um, this is why I also will use Guanxi in this podcast and not relationship because it is not exactly the same. So if you want to understand Guanxi, we first have to look back on China's history because it has some deeper implications. One primary reason why relationships in China are historically important is that the state philosophy, the Confucianism, is already made up by five primary relationships. One is the ruler-subject, one is father-son, one is husband-wife, one is elder brother-younger brother, and the last one is friend-friend. These five relationships sort of define all the philosophy and hierarchy in China, at least Asian China, and of course this is still influencing the Chinese social setup today. So these relationships tell you how to behave and they define the Chinese social values. Maybe we just make an example, I don't want to go too deep into the Confucius ideas, but um, the ruler subject, for instance. The ruler has the obligation to set a moral example for his people and to show compassion 
and has a certain responsibility towards the subject. The subject, on the other hand, should show respect and follow the ruler. So this is one relationship of these five. Though today, to understand Guanxi and the modern relationships in China, Confucius is not sufficient anymore. Because, I mean, I mentioned those five relationships. But obviously nowadays, we have much more, right? Society changed. And let's say today a businessman and his customers. How is this defined? Or businessman and his suppliers? Confucius didn't mention them yet because there were basically no business people like we have them today. So it's technical incomplete. There are a lot of relationships missing. And the second is that the Confucius picture of relationships focuses pretty much on hierarchy. So like father-son ruler subject, that's, that's actually hierarchy. And then you tell them how should you behave towards each other. But today, when we talk about Guanxi, we also focus on people on, on the same level, basically. So it could be two neighbors or two colleagues. They also have Guanxi. They have to build up Guanxi. And now the question remains, why is Guanxi so important if you say, okay, relationships are important in China, but Guanxi today is different from the historic view. The main reason, I believe, is a certain weakness in China's system throughout the last centuries. A person had to rely on other individuals rather than the system. You couldn't really trust the entire system, whether it's the legal system or the administration. You had to trust other individuals in order to make it. Today, in China, institutions are already much stronger. But for instance, legal rights are still a big issue. So this is why even today, it is important to trust others and to rely on others. It's like an insurance. If you are betrayed by an individual, it's very difficult to get what you are legally supposed to get. <clears throat> it's very difficult. So in order to make sure you get this in the first place, you better trust this person, make sure he's not a traitor or cheater or whatever. In China, until today, we don't have courts that work like in the West. It's changing, it's improving, but they're not there yet. And so for this reason, it is important to have sort of guanxi or relationships that make sure that you know whether you can trust the person. So the main reason behind relationship-based business in China is missing legal security. And the overall business world in China, let's focus a bit on the business side, the overall business world in China is less contractual than ours. So <clears throat> contracts do not have the same legal security and often relationships are replacing contracts in business life. So contracts, I mean, contracts exist, right? But they're more a pro forma document in many cases. And a very interesting Chinese attitude that a lot of people hold is a contract is actually an evidence that trust is absent. Otherwise, you wouldn't need it, right? That's very interesting if you think about it. Makes sense, but yeah. Of course, I mean, for us, 
business without contracts is almost impossible in our in our imagination and it yeah it wouldn't work right but in china <clears throat> guanxi is, is replacing it partly that means that all the contracts and words simply don't count as much if you don't have trust um it's it's bit it's difficult to do to do business in china how do you get trust how do you establish guanxi um well you can simply spend time with the other person and sooner or later they might show their true face or you can figure out um a very popular way is of course this drinking and dining thing so you would go for dinner with your let's say potential customers and in order to win their trust and then you would not just eat but also you would start drinking a lot of alcohol you would cheers you would like give them face and what is behind that is that you are also opening up so if you make the mistake to always keep your business attitude you might you might end up nowhere because they cannot really tell is this a guy we want to do business with can we trust this guy so the advice is actually that you really open yourself up make a fool out of yourself or tell things you wouldn't even tell some of your friends maybe because this shows that you are a natural person who can who is trustworthy at the end so this in china they say trend show trend is like to force so they will or yeah convince you to, to convince you actually to drink so they would do this and then you can kind of get a mutual understanding feeling for each other there are many cases where people came to china to do business they did everything right they did great presentations they were super likable and then they had dinner but it didn't really spark and they didn't go the whole way they didn't maybe stay until the midnight until they were drunk with their potential business partners the next day they went to the office to close the deal and were told that sorry guys failed we are not interested so this is important um in china business is always personal and effective trust is necessary to do business successfully of course also on a smaller level if you want to grow your business in china small business as a local as a foreigner doesn't matter you need this kind of um yeah established trust um if you separate however factual and personal levels in china what we are often tend to do i mean in germany it's very common that you try to split those two things then it's actually impossible and of course it not only includes <clears throat> building relationships but also maintaining relationships and this sort of leads to the next aspect that is important private life so how important is guanxi in private life in china i'm going to say that it's less important because nowadays you can have a pretty okay life without guanxi um not in the past definitely survival was literally depending your survival was literally depending on it but also here guanxi is still an important basis of social network 
You cannot simply say, sorry guys, I'm not participating in your crappy monkey show. As a proud free individual, I declare I'm going my own way. I'm going a non-guancy way. It is very, very difficult. Almost impossible. Why? Well, there are two decisive factors that pop up again and again. Reciprocity is one, and the other one I already mentioned is trust. Trust just says, well, is it a good and honest person that will probably rather help me than harm me? And reciprocity is, if you do a favor to somebody, then the next thing is, it's his turn. He owns me. So, the I think a better term actually is social debt. You should pay back, you should compensate. It's kind of a game or it's kind of an equation, right? And it's almost impossible to avoid receiving and giving. You might give automatically, you might receive. And once in a while you might receive some higher value or give some higher value. And all this plays into the concept of Guanxi in China. So... It's not just how you see things, but also others. Others will always perceive certain obligations. And, and if you want to, let's say, participate in social life, you also must participate in Guanxi, at least to a certain extent. A lot of Chinese people take social debt even to the next level and interpret it literally. This can be extremely sophisticated, a good friend of mine told me that her mom is keeping a book at home in which she fussily is putting down each amount ever received or spent from others. And this is not a single case example. This happens a lot in China. So if you spend a large amount on somebody, could be you, you were lending money to somebody, you were paying a wedding gift, or you were just treating them a bigger dinner, not talking about some crappy fried noodles next door, but some nicer dinner. This all flows into a balance and kind of defines needs and obligations. In China, you sometimes see people fighting over bills. It is not uncommon, like families going for dinner together. And then when it comes to paying, in China, normally you you don't go Dutch, you, 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 one person is going to pay or one family. And then they literally fight for the bill. Can, can also happen among colleagues and stuff. And it's not pretentious like, oh, I, like I move slowly on purpose. Hopefully he grabs the bill first so I don't have to pay. No, 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 no. They really want to pay because it might be beneficial for them later. That's very interesting to observe. And of course, you might now say, wow, that's horrible. That means the society is so materialistic. So does that mean in China, there are always strings attached to whatever happens? Is it always an equation that you have to somehow balance or do you have to settle all those things permanently? No, not really. Let's say the complex thing is that in China, as I said, you cannot really separate personal life and business life 100%. And this way it becomes very difficult for some people to, let's say, go without Guanxi. Among friends, however, for instance, the new generation growing up these days, 
they are less influenced by Guanxi. They even neglect it sometimes, maybe too much. For them, it's not so crucial because they're really not, they're not depending on it. And I would even argue that, but it's very subjective. I would argue that Chinese people in many ways are less selfish and less pretentious with respect to relationships than Westerners. I'm not just referring to myself, what I experience, but also when I talk to other foreigners in China. You can expect a lot of help, actually, from Chinese people, um, whether they're just some acquaintance or some friends. They help you a lot without claiming anything back or without having any indirect intention. They're also less superficial in many ways. They don't use all this keep in touch sentences or how have you been recently. They really believe that actions speak louder than words. So if you want to do something for them, just do it. Ask them for dinner. Treat them dinner or the other way around. Help them with something if, if you ask for it or do it voluntarily. But it's actually not that pretentious and that you feel like you permanently have to pay back something. And I had conversations with some Chinese people who also felt a bit like that Westerners try to abuse them. Like Westerners, when they come to China, they often ask Chinese people for help, which is fine. So for administrative things, especially language related, this is okay to a certain, to a certain extent, but then they also maybe are not really helpful themselves. They just use them, but they don't really want to be in touch. Or they expect Chinese people basically unconditional to pay for them food and drinks because they heard, oh, in China, there's a lot of hospitality and the Chinese basically have to pay for me. If I go to a club or something or even a restaurant, they should pay for me. That's fine. So with, without feeling guilty at all, they take a lot of things for granted and don't really care about this person. They don't, they don't even want to stay really in touch. They're, they're happy to get a free meal, but that's it. That's what some Chinese told me the experience. They didn't say this like they were super pissed, but they felt a bit like this. And yeah, it's it's difficult. At the end, it probably also depends very much on the person. How to generalize here? To use Guanxi, I don't think it's necessarily unethical. There is this, um, I think it was Kant who said, never treat others as a means to an end. But let's be honest, we all think somewhat opportunistically. And I cannot discharge myself from this. Sometimes you meet people or they ask you and you wonder, why should I meet them? What's in for me? That's, come on, that's natural. That's, it's just admitted. So the Guanxi mindset is somehow common everywhere. In China nowadays, I think in personal life, it's still existent especially in a family environment and among colleagues. But among friends, maybe the importance is not that much higher compared to other countries. In business, however, it's definitely very important because, as I said, it replaces the contracts partly. But even in business, it sounds much easier than it is actually when it comes to business in China. Chinese people are very clever, very shrewd. So if you do business with Chinese people, I would really suggest applying the same tactics. Get to know them better. Go for dinner, go for drinks, 
do whatever you feel like. If you don't drink alcohol, find another way around it. And at the end, use your gut feeling. That's what we we often say in, in, in German language. We say Bauchgefühl, which means gut feeling in, in English. That's very important. And what is gut feeling? Gut feeling is using your experience, right? That's That's all. You have to read people and trust your judgment based on your past experience. Of course, if you do this with Chinese people who are from another culture, it's more difficult to read them. It's more difficult to to evaluate their behavior. But remember, it's your insurance. And especially if you put a lot of money on the table, you want to make sure it's well spent and you can trust those people. And by the way, the same can be with friendships or other relations back home. Before you want to make a huge investment, not just money, it can also be an emotional investment. You want to get to know them a bit better. And I think today it's also increasingly risky because you have a lot of opportunities. All those people nowadays doing business together, launching startups, and often you are blinded by their entrepreneurial spirit, by their story, by their great personality, and whatever it is. And then rather than maybe spending some more time to really get to know them and to establish your currency, you straight up jump into the water to later find out that you maybe signed a contract with the devil or, well, in the best case, you just waste your time and you feel like, okay, this is not what I thought it is. But in order to minimize risk for yourself in personal life, in business life, we maybe can also make more use of Guanxi without being unethical or just seeing people as a means to an end. One last thing I want to talk about, and I have to talk about this in this regard, is, of course, bribe and corruption. Because some people say, yeah, Eric, Guanxi is a very nice term, but come on, we know what it means in China. Guanxi just means corruption and bribery. And I believe we have to be very cautious here and don't mix things up. Guanxi is the overall base, the network. <clears throat> and technically speaking, the different elements in this Guanxi environment. One is, of course, gifts. And some gifts can be bribes. And bribes can lead to corruption. If I live in a village in China and I want to buy some land, which is not really for sale, I want to buy my house there. And then I contact a local government dude and ask him to help me. And, well, in order to speed up things, I would maybe buy a nice wedding gift for his daughter who is getting married. A very nice gift. Is that a bribe? Perhaps. Well... If I buy him a fancy car straight away and he gives me the land, that's definitely a bribe. So the Guanxi culture is corrupt when government officials, or could also be other officials, companies or whatever, um, yeah, abuse their power. And this is, of course, happening all the time. So the bad face of Guanxi, which is, I think, not the dominant way of of doing it, of establishing Guanxi, but it is existent, is corruption. But don't believe that Guanxi always automatically 
leads to corruption. That is certainly not true. By the way, the, the classic gift that's maybe interesting in China, when you want to bribe somebody, I mean, I'm not suggesting bribery, right? But I'm just saying how it sometimes is, is the, a bottle of Baijiu, the, um, the, the Chinese rice wine. And of course, you have to go for the top brand, which is the Motai. That's um, even a stock listed company, by the way. And a bottle is like, what, maybe 120 euro, 130 US dollars, something like that. And that always used to be the classic gift, which you pass to military or government or other officials if you want them to do you a favor. But in the past years, um, the government in China is fighting corruption like never before. And um, there was a huge anti-corruption campaign, not only towards small local leaders, but also to a lot of high-level officials. And we're not just talking about 100, 1,000. We're talking about rather 10,000, if not 100,000 of these officials that ended up behind bars now. And that is probably the largest cleanup against corruption ever seen in history. I think it's a very interesting development, a very harsh move that certainly is positive overall, but also comes with some risks. If you put so many people into jail, which also have Guanxi, by the way, or at least sentence them to whatever, that's shaking up the whole system. And so that's, I think, it's very interesting to, to see that. Um, but of course, overall, it might really help uh, to become leaner and to become more efficient and to yeah have more legal rights at the end, more legal security, actually, not rights. So there was one negative aspect of Guanxi. The other one would, of course, be, well, this whole sucking up culture. If you want to establish good relationships with maybe your boss in China and you kiss his ass, in China they say, which literally means like to sugar up his, to sugar up the horse ass or the horse fart. P means fart actually. So kind of that. Um, this happens as well in China. And I would say it happens in China more than in the West. This is not illegal, obviously. It is more, it could be immoral in some cases. It used to be more common, like for instance, in school, you would do that with your teachers. You would really suck up and make sure they they love you and also here people brought but people brought a lot of gifts for for teachers i don't think that's uh, that's allowed anymore teachers are very careful nowadays certainly but it happened in the past and this sucking up culture ever with your boss and so on this is still existent but yeah well if it helps you and let's say you can you can face yourself after doing it that's uh, a personal decision everyone has to make. So to summarize all of this a bit, I hope it became clear that Guanxi is extremely important still. It was more important in the past. It was necessary to survive. It was really a life or death decision for many people. Nowadays, obviously not anymore, but it is still important if you want to be successful it is of great strategic importance for doing business in China. But also if you want to pursue a promising career without Guanxi, 
absolutely not possible and it is different from our relation definition in the West. And I think it's mainly because it's more than a superficial network. It's a debt and obligation balance in combination with trust. And trust is perhaps the most valuable currency because we have a world that is predisposed to manipulation and fake information with the internet. So trust might become even more important and that means also currency at the end will always have relevance in China and in a lot of other places. I think we can also make use of it and use it in our daily life in business to avoid certain pitfalls, to simply avoid undesired incidents. So as always, I suggest digesting this a bit and think about whether you think there are differences and what you perhaps can apply for your own communication and also life approach. No matter what, at the end, Guanxi is just another very important aspect of understanding China and its complex culture just a bit better. Thanks for listening to the Dragonfolio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net.